Sometimes it's stressful juggling all your responsibilities on the weekends. You know you need to do your chores. You know you want to spend time with your family. But really, you just want to watch football all day. Paradise Falls is the perfect option for a family-friendly place to hang out and still have a chance to catch all the games. Open 7 a.m. till midnight and offering breakfast, lunch, and dinner, Paradise Falls has 30 big-screen TVs, ESPN3 capabilities, and much, much more. Swing on by Paradise Falls on Brook Street anytime you're in the mood for some food or some football. Paradise Falls, 3621 Brook Street, Missoula's coolest hotspot. Very happy now to uh, welcome in our next guest for the ESPN Roundtable presented by Paradise Falls. Tyrone Holmes, former sixth-round draft pick of the Jacksonville Jaguars, also the 2015 Stats FCS National Defensive Player of the Year from the University of Montana. Tyrone, thanks so much for taking the time out and being with us this afternoon. How are you doing, man? Awesome. Thanks for having me. I'm uh, doing really well. Well, we're we're very happy to have you in here, and uh, and and this is an exciting time of year. Certainly, when you talk about the national championship game, but all the awards that go with it, and we got plenty of stuff to cover. But we want to start kind of in the present moment when you talk about uh, Dante Olson, who's obviously been a phenomenal linebacker at the University of Montana for his career, having an experience this weekend that you had, you know, four or five years ago going down to Frisco, Texas to collect this award. But what do you remember about that where, you know, you you have the phenomenal year, 18 sacks, and you, you know, you're nominated and you're a finalist, and now you're flying down to Texas to to be a finalist, but you don't know what's going to happen, right, until until they make the announcement? Right, exactly. Um, yeah, I don't know. I just remember it being uh, kind of a whirlwind experience. I had already started training uh, for my pro day in uh, the Bay Area. So, honestly, the, the award ceremony wasn't really too much on my mind. I was thinking about training and the upcoming uh, East-West Shrine game. In fact, I, had, I hadn't thought about it so much that, like, whenever I got, I didn't think about the fact that I would have to give a speech if I won until I was already like, <laughs> on stage. Like, it, it was incredible. Like, I, I was like, oh, shoot, like, I have to say something now. Like, everyone else had, like, their paper written out, and I was like, oh, shoot, this is, this is not good. When so. you did win it, though, what, what what's the feeling that washes over you? Because, I mean, you guys put in so much work, and then to know that you are recognized as the best of the best. And it also comes with some intrigue, right? Because not only did you not know you were going to win the award, but as has become somewhat customary in the Big Sky, I don't really know why this is, but a lot of guys that have won this award out of the Big Sky weren't the Big Sky defensive MVP, even though they ended up winning the National Defensive Player of the Year. So when you first won the award, what was the experience like? What did you, What was that feeling like? Uh, it was incredible. I mean, it was pretty emotional for me. I mean, I really didn't expect to win it because I didn't win uh, the Conference Defensive Player of the Year that year. Um I don't know, it was a pretty emotional experience just thinking about all the people that had helped me get there from my position coach, my parents, uh, high school coaches. It was just, you know, the culmination of, of a lot of hard work. And then, you know, you just <clears throat> to get that validation from, you know, some outside sources was was uh, was pretty cool. So uh, and it was a nice, nice break in in between uh, training for for uh, the upcoming pro day and everything. And that year. The Big Sky Conference, so well represented. The three finalists were all from the Big Sky Conference. Patrick Onwasser, who was from Portland State, who now plays for the Baltimore Ravens. James Kowser from Southern Utah, who went on to play the last handful of years for the Oakland Raiders. So did you get to know those guys during the, that time? And then, that must, if so, that must have been cool for you guys to then all three go to the NFL as well. Yeah, yeah, it was cool. Uh, I had met uh, James up at the uh, Big Sky Media Day, and then... 
you know, obviously competing with him on the scratch. So we had, we kind of knew each other pretty well. And it was cool to go up there. And there were so many big guy coaches and players, you know, uh, the quarterback, Jake Cookus, I think it was his name. He um, mm-hmm. was up for freshman freshman player of the year, so he was there. So it was cool. Like, and then I, I coming out of high school, I was recruited by Portland State. So to see all those coaches again and kind of have everything come full circle was was a cool experience. Now, now remind me at the Big Sky kickoff in the golf tournament, were you on Cowser's team? Uh, no, I wasn't. No. Okay, because okay, all I remember about that Big Sky kickoff is two things. One, there was some serious sandbagging going on because James Cowser's team won. But I also remember that this dude hit like two mini golf style sixty foot putts, and these guys are turning <laughs> in, these guys are turning in a scorecard that says negative eighteen. I'm like, get out of here! You guys are killing me right now. <laughs> Well, I know I know his golf game was uh, about ten times better than mine. I, 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 hit, maybe, I hit maybe two balls that whole day. So. Tyron <laughs> Holmes. Tyron Holmes joining us. He's the uh, defensive player of the year in the FCS in 2015, and went on uh, to the NFL and uh, and was around the NFL with a number of teams uh, before retiring here just recently. But I, I wonder this, uh, Tyron. We've talked to so many people that played for or were with Bobby Houck when he was at the University of Montana the first time. But not that many people who weren't and and then are not playing, obviously, for him now. But I, I know that you've been playing and doing your thing professionally. Have you had a chance to, like, follow the University of Montana and sort of the process of the last couple of years of Bobby Houck taking over uh, for Bob Sid and what that has been like? Is that something that's that you, you've been able to kind of keep a peek at at all? Yeah, I mean, I follow the program pretty closely. I mean, obviously, I invested a lot of time in, into it. And, uh, you know, I think my heart is still uh, connected to the program. And I feel like I'll always consider myself a Grizz. So it's cool to follow it and to see them have success. And, you know, I wasn't able to play for Bobby, but I've been able to meet him since I've been uh, out of the program. And, I mean, obviously, it seems like the, the program is going in the right direction. And he's uh, got everything on track. So. And when you watch Dante Olson, I mean, for a guy, you know, he plays a different position than the one that you play, but obviously the, the, the numbers are pretty gaudy. But when you watch him play, what do you see out of him? Man, I love I love watching Dante play. It's pretty exciting. Uh, I, I think the, the thing that jumps out at you is just his tenacity to get to the ball. And uh, I, love, I love seeing that in guys. And I think that's, like, what I try to, uh, like, value the most in myself is just that, you just want to get to the ball, and you're going to give out max effort, and that's what he does. That he he's in on almost every play. It's incredible. No matter if he's on the other side of the field, he'll chase it down. So it's cool to see guys that just play with like such royalist passion and intensity. And I think that's what jumps out the most from uh, from Dante. Pretty cool that the last two guys from the Grizz that are that have been up for this prestigious award have been natives of Oregon. The, the Grizz just got a commitment from a quarterback from Granite Lakes, Oregon, yesterday. Grant's Pass, I think. Grant's Pass, yeah, excuse yeah. me, uh, yesterday. But we were talking, it, it's so interesting because obviously we know everybody ar- around Montana knows the narrative of how sort of underrated Montana high school recruits are, and that's why the Grizz and the Cats have been able to be so competitive because they get in-state guys. But to me, by and large, Oregon has been sort of like that, too. The guys that are in Portland seem to get a lot of love, but guys that aren't necessarily in the city sort of go under-recruited. What do you remember about... Yeah. Getting, I mean, what do you remember? Yeah. I mean, I mean... Yeah, preach it now, <laughs> Coulter. Yeah, I mean, you obviously agree, yeah, but why do you think that is? Don't get me fired up. <laughs> <laughs> don't get me too fired up. No, um, 
No, it's a, it's a thing, and I want to make the distinction of these are Southern Oregon boys, too. You mm-hmm. know, Grants Pass, uh, Medford, Eagle Point, these are all, you know, very, it's a you know, community probably about the same size as Missoula, but um, no, it's cool. I think it doesn't get recruited because it's not easy to get to. You know, coaches can go to L.A. and hit 20 schools in a day, whereas if you go to, you know, Southern Oregon, you're driving, you're not, it's just nearly not as economical and so it gets overlooked a lot. And then when coaches are watching film, it's hard for them to gauge the, the level of play. Whereas if you're watching, you know, the 6A California schools, you know what the kind of level that they're competing at. So they are a little bit leery in uh, recruiting guys from Southern Oregon or, you know, even Montana. So uh, I think that's ma- mainly the reason. But, yeah, it's super cool to see, you know, not very many guys get recruited to college out of where we're from in Southern Oregon and to see Dante have the success is, is really cool. And then to see the kid commit uh, from uh, Grants Pass yesterday was, was pretty pretty exciting for me as well. When when you were getting recruited by the Grizz, did you know anything about Montana football before they started recruiting you? Um, yeah, I, I did. Uh, you know, you kind of going through the recruiting process. I, I just made a list of every school that was on the West Coast, basically, and uh, I knew some guys that had went to camp there or had been recruited there. And so it was on my radar. Um, you know, obviously every kid growing up in Oregon, you want to go to Oregon or Oregon State. <laughs> but, um, yeah, it was definitely on my radar. And uh, I didn't think they were interested because I had never heard anything from, from them until like two weeks before signing day. So it really wasn't somewhere I was thinking about going until – uh, like pretty much the day I was, I was ready to sign. So, Tyrone Holmes joining us is the ESPN Roundtable presented by Paradise Falls. And Tyrone, it's so interesting because you go through the, the, the process of making a list and you play in high school and do the whole thing. And you go, okay, I really want to play in college. And I remember talking to you after you graduated the University of Montana when you were working out, when you were in California getting ready for pro day and getting ready for the draft and all that. And I asked you, like, you know, how hard is this? What you know? What how, what's it like to go through? And you seem to be having the absolute time of your life, just working out, like just getting ready to do football full time. Where did that that love of of the game and of of what most would consider the hard or the toughness part of it that you seem to really thrive on and enjoy? Where did that come from? I have I have no idea. I think uh, you know it's a culmination of where you know the environment I was brought up in, uh, my parents. Some of it's probably uh, intrinsic. <laughs> I just, uh, I love the process. I mean, I might even like, I've liked that more more than anything. Like, I loved just going in the gym. I loved hanging out with the guys. I love just the atmosphere of working and feeling like you're being productive and moving towards a goal. I just, I loved all of that uh, in regards to football. And, yeah, it's, ex- it's, it's an exciting time whenever you're going through that, uh, that uh, training process. You know, it's the first time where you can solely just focus on football. You don't have all this school garbage to deal with. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> See, now the truth comes out, people. You know, now he's got nobody to answer to, so we know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, you, yeah, you don't have class. You don't have, you know, you're just solely focused on football and becoming the best football player that you can be. And I think that's a really exciting time, you know, you just, Going to the drink, going to the gym, doing a recovery, and you're able to make such big strides in a short amount of time because it's all you're thinking about all day long. So I think that was exciting for me, and I've well, I've really enjoyed 
about being a professional po- football player over the last four years. So, yeah. It's madness. The greatest time of year is here, and there's no better place to track your bracket than at Paradise Falls. Paradise Falls has 30 big screen TVs for you to catch the entire NCAA tournament, and Paradise Falls has a variety of March specials, too. From crispy rib bites for $11.95 to halibut bites and fries for $12.95 to a delicious steak sandwich for $13.95, plus 18 draft beers to pick from, Paradise Falls is your spot to take in all the madness. The, the my project this last week or so uh, to start off 2020 was putting together all decade teams for both Montana State and Montana and you landed on the all decade team obviously for the Grizzlies but it was interesting to me when I was writing especially the defensive side of the ball for Montana the best players this decade every guy the synopsis of their careers it was so much longer than anybody else's because not only did all so many of you guys not only were multiple year starters and multiple year standouts multiple time all americans but also then went on to play after college as well and so you yourself played alongside so many guys that got a shot at the next level whether it was in the cfl or the nfl why do you think that is? I mean, what do you remember about going through it with guys like Brock Coyle and Jordan Tripp and J.P. Conningata and Zach Wagaman? And what about the culture at that time helped all of you guys go from the FCS then on to the NFL? Um, I don't know. I think we were just very fortunate. I mean, I was, I was very fortunate to come in where there was a precedent of how you're supposed to work, how you're supposed to carry yourself, the things that you're supposed to do. Um and when you're coming in to college, you don't know anything else. You know, you're just, I mean, my whole thing was I want to be successful. I want to be as successful as these guys, so I'm going to do everything that they do. You know, when, when Jordan Tripp was staying three hours extra after practice watching film, I was right there with him, you know. So I didn't, I think it was just kind of a culture and how everybody, I mean, that was the only way we knew how to work. So I think when that's just your culture, it's easier for things to fall in line like that. And I just got myself very blessed to have uh, been surrounded by so many guys, you know, like Zach and Brock and JP and guys that were really hard workers, uh, obviously very successful in playing the game of football. And, uh, yeah. Your time as a Grizz was had had some highs as a team, but also it was a very tumultuous time at the University of Montana. I mean, that that transition from that 2011 semifinal run then to all the stuff that went down on campus and the NCAA coming to town, the, the regulations, the scholarship penalties, all that stuff. But you guys were able to, to stem the tide and still you know be playoff contenders and things like that. But from a player perspective, what was that time like going through? I mean, you go from Robin Flugrad to Mick Delaney to Bob Stitt, multiple coaches, all sorts of transition going on in the administrative level. So from a player perspective, what was it like to navigate that time with the Grizzlies? Yeah, I mean, it was a lot. I mean, starting with uh, getting recruited, they go to the semifinals, and then a couple of weeks later, coach gets fired. And, you know, so it's kind of a, it was a kind of a crazy time, you know, with a lot of uncertainty. Uh, I was fortunate on my part that I had the same position coach and Coach Leggy that he recruited me and then he stayed through my whole time there. So I think that continuity for me helped a lot. Um, but yeah, I think everybody had to be kind of adaptive and, you know, whenever a coaching change happens, you have to learn the new system. And, uh, yeah, I think it was, it was a challenge, but, uh, uh, I'm, I'm proud of the work that everyone put in and getting the program back on track. 
Well, you mentioned Coach Leggy, and, and there was also some continuity with Ty Gregorak being around, too. So, I mean, those two guys specifically, how much do you think those guys helped you and the rest of your teammates, especially with some of the success you guys had as Grizz, but then after your time in Montana as well? Yeah, it was huge. It was huge. Uh, to have both Ty and Leggy stick there for my whole time there was was huge for me. And that I was getting the same, like, in terms of football and they were teaching me the same things year after year. I wasn't getting a bunch of different uh, coaching points that were co- contradicting each other or anything. So for me, it was it was big, and uh, you know, even dealing with off the field issues, it was, you know, to have those relationships in place was was big for me. It's award show season, and Paradise Falls is rolling out the red carpet with brand new dinner specials all month long. Try the Steak Oscar, a 14-ounce hand-cut New York strip steak cooked to your liking topped with rich lobster meat and a decadent holidays. Or have the Salmon Oscar, an 8-ounce wild Alaskan sockeye salmon filet smothered in lobster and the homemade holiday sauce. Black tie optional or come as you are. Have dinner in Paradise at Paradise Falls, 3621 Brook Street. Open 7 a.m. to midnight, seven days a week. Mick Delaney, one of our all-time favorites. He's been on the show a number of times, and obviously, you know, just just such a such a, a grandfather figure, but such an outgoing and 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 fun guy. But to play for him, he's a real you know butte football guy. And then to go from him to Bob Sit, two very different characters. What was the what was the biggest transition for you in playing your senior year under under Bob Sit, the new coach? Um, yeah, it was, it was an adjustment for sure. It was just, you know, you, you deal with different personalities and coaching, you know, I've now, I don't know how many teams I've been on, but I've played for a lot of coaches Six, and, <laughs> and you kind of just, uh, you kind of realize that it's just part of the game. And, you know, I was, I'm fortunate that with my parents, uh, you know, kind of teaching me how, how the world works, that, you know, you're going to go through boss changes and working with different people and for different people. And, um, and so I just try to like take everything as like a lesson and, and work through it. And I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't too difficult and that, uh, coach did, you know, he wanted to make this program successful and he worked hard. And I think we were all on that same, same mission and goal. So, uh, you know, going into my senior, we didn't have the success that we wanted to, but I, it was a positive experience overall. Tyrone Holmes joining us to CESPN Roundtable. He's a uh, 2015 FCS Stats Defensive Player of the Year, uh, and that uh, happened on this very weekend, forthcoming in Frisco, Texas, uh, surrounding the FCS National Championship game. And then, Tyrone, I just want to ask you this just broadly about your time playing professional football. You're on five different teams in the NFL, also played for the San Antonio Commanders of the AAF uh, for for that season. What do you have a memory or a, a moment when you were there, you know, playing on a team or you know on a practice squad or whatever it might have been, where you were like, "Wow, this is this is this is cool." I am a professional football player doing it. Was it the moment that you stepped to your first camp, or was did somebody come up and talk to you? What was, what was what was something that happened where that sort of set into you, or did it at any point? Yeah, I mean, quickly, I think there's just like there was a couple there's a couple moments that come to mind and. I mean, one that sticks out is probably my rookie year. We were playing on Thursday night versus Baltimore, and it was just an incredible atmosphere. And you know, they had some crazy fans, and it was just really—it was just a really cool moment. I just remember uh, it was getting close to halftime, and the the crowd was just loud and just looking around and just taking it all in. And that was a pretty cool experience. And then uh, another moment was. Uh, 
I don't, just like uh, playing Tom Brady uh, in the Patriots, and uh, that was a pretty surreal moment. You know, I just remember lining up, and on that particular coverage, I had to like uh, kind of cover Gronk, and it was just like a, it was just like a dang, like you're, you're really you're really in the NFL right now, you know. Luckily, 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 he looked away from him and didn't feel that way. But yeah. hey, you did your job. He was covered up, man. That's why he knew he's not getting it in there. That's what's going on there, no doubt. Yeah. Well, so, yeah, that's probably those two moments. But what's the craziest part about the NFL? The craziest part? Yeah. Um, I think the craziest part is, and probably just the the immense. Uh, pressure and stress to be to succeed and to uh, to perform every day. I don't think people realize how much pressure NFL players are under on a day to day basis. You know, it's not just the games. You gotta you gotta go in day out, day in, day out, and you know it really starts in OTAs when you're trying to make the team. And then every day you're basically interviewing every single day till September. And then once you're on the team, you're really not on the team. You're on the team, but it's very conditional. It's a day to day. Thing. So every day you're going out there to prove yourself. And I think that's the toughest part is just every single day you're going to prove yourself and you're going to basically interview for your job and your right to stay there and be on the team. And I think that's probably the most challenging part of playing professional football. Man, I'm so glad you said that. That's what people don't understand about radio, too, Tyrone. <laughs> I mean, every day I come in here is just sweat, sweating, you know, profusely about the whole thing. Hey, man, last thing for you here, and I know you, you, you just recently officially retired, and congratulations to you on that. And I'm wondering, what, what, what awaits you? What I mean, it's so interesting because professional football players, you know, even the guys who play the longest time that you could play are incredibly young human beings at the time that they're done playing, and you got a whole, you know, the, the whole life out in front of you, but you've been sort of singularly devoted to this one thing, and it's always interesting to me that transition of what you do next, and, and are you just kind of let it decompress for a while and then go on from there? What, how does that work for you? Yeah, I mean, I think everyone probably has their own their own way of dealing with it. I mean, I was pretty conscious while I was playing that I needed to uh, make sure I was a well-rounded person and not uh, too heavily reliant on football. Um, so, you know, I think the transition for me hasn't been, been too bad. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm taking things in stride. I'm, I'm not trying to rush into anything. I think some guys, you know, they are done with football and the next week they're, you know, right into the next job. I think for me, I was, knew it was important for like mental and physical health to take some time to myself and figure out what I want to do next. And so that's kind of in the, in the period that I'm in right now, just trying to figure out what, what I'm interested in, what's next for me. And, uh, I'm not in a hurry, but I'm excited to, to see what's next. Yeah. Well, Tyrone, we certainly appreciate you taking the time here and being with us. It's it's awesome of you to do it. I love watching you play football and all the years that you did it. You, you're a, a, a blast, an absolute uh, treat to do it. So we, we appreciate that and the best to you in whatever is next. And take your time with it, right? No reason to rush in. So we, we wish you the best in all of that from here on out, okay? Awesome. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. You got it. Tyrone Holmes, sir. Paradise Falls ESPN Roundtable guy who uh, was was impressive. It's so interesting, Colter. We talk about this all the time, don't we? With fit, and he, I mean, he was he was he was one. Of, he was right, you know, one of the best players. He was the best defensive player in the country at the FCS level, with a couple other guys who found 
roles that and places that worked for them specifically. And Tyrone, he found his role in a couple of places and then went to a couple different places and kept working, kept working, kept hitting. He's a professional football player for four years. I mean, that's again, I mean, that's longer than the quote average career, you know, in the NFL. And it's so interesting to see how guys plug in where they plug in and where you know where they work and when and when guys got to move where they go and how that goes uh but unbelievable player great great talent great work ethic as he talked about and and uh and a super nice guy i mean uh, i've always appreciated like the time that i've gotten to spend with talk to tyrone holmes and uh once again here today no doubt about it he's one of the great litmus tests for me because I think that Tyrone Holmes proves just how absolutely elite you have to be if you're going to play on the edge in the NFL. Because Tyrone Holmes is unbelievably talented. And if guys are that much... I mean, he, he was he was on active rosters, but he's also on practice squads. To think about guys being significantly better than him, and a lot, like you said, is fit too. You, you wonder if somebody would have given a shot to a little bit of an undersized speed rusher what he could have done because he produced when he got into games. I mean, I think he no had doubt. a couple sacks yes, in the NFL games. And, but man, it, it's just it's fascinating because and we know the story of guys like Colt Anderson, good friend of this show. You know, Colt was never never big enough or or whatever it takes to play in the NFL, but he was so good at special teams, so he found his niche. Chase Reynolds, so good at special teams, found his niche. Brock Coyle and Jordan Tripp, kind of tweeners at linebacker who then worked their way and, and physically developed and blossomed into being good enough to play and start in games. But those guys have the prototype NFL linebacker size. It just shows you like how big, strong, and fast do you have to be to play on the edge. Yep. If Tyrone Holmes is not quite big, strong, and fast enough because he's so big, strong, and fast, it's a, it's amazing. But you know his in terms of his ability to to put pressure on the quarterback. I mean, this decade, if you're talking about the Big Sky Conference, he's the best in my mind. He, he's mm-hmm. the best true pass rusher the Big Sky has seen. Zach Wagaman had more sacks at Montana. Brad Daly and, and Caleb Shrybice had comparable numbers, and they won the Buck Buchanan Awards at Montana State. But in terms of pure physical dominance, and I also think that the fact that Tyrone Holmes played a, a, in the old Grizz defense, he played out of position for the first three years of his career. And there's no question in my mind that Zach Wagaman was a great player, but he does he owes a lot of, of his accolades and his numbers to playing next to Tonga Takai, Caleb Kidder, and, and Tyrone Holmes. Those three guys got Wagaman one-on-ones more often than he made, would have seen him anywhere else. Right. Yeah. Because those guys were so great. And then but then to, to be a guy that I mean, Tyrone Holmes bookended his career in such phenomenal fashion. He had four sacks against Idaho State as a true freshman. And everybody was thinking, man, who's this guy? This guy's the next great D-end for the Grizz. And then he was a, a very good player. I mean, he, he started the whole rest of his career, but he was in Wagaman's shadow. And he was he, he was not the, the premier featured edge guy until his senior year. But then to go out and have the second most sacks in a single season in the history of the University of Montana, which is also the second most sacks in the history of the Big Sky Conference, yeah. to go out like that, to, to, to have everybody saying, this guy has so much potential, but when are we going to see it? And then to show everybody your potential and go out on top like that, pretty darn sweet. Yeah. And, you know, it, it, the the 2015 Grizz season was such a weird season because yeah. th- there, was so, there was so much going on with the program. The transit, yeah, I mean, it was a great question you asked. Transitioning from McDelaney to Bob Stitt, 
it's just it's just a a different deal. Yep. But then you have these holdovers who have the, kind of the old Grizz way of doing things in in Leigh Suanoa and Ty Gregorak, and there was just this weird chemistry or lack thereof between the offense and the defense. But that defense, I think. I'll, I'll, be, I'll be interested to see how how history remembers them because that defense was dang good. Yeah, it was. And they they just they got put in a weird spot because oh, this day and age of college football, if you have an offense like Bob Stitt's offense where you're going to run 100 plays a game, you're going to go for it on fourth down in your own territory. You're going to put the defense in bad spots. You have to have a defensive scheme that goes with it. Montana tried to build that, and, and it failed with what they tried to do with their high-pressure blitzing scheme under Jason Seymour. It just didn't work. Which but, was after. Which Tyron was a year was after. There, yep. But those guys were trying to play Grizz-style defense yeah. with a offense that the school had not seen in a long time. And I, just, I hope they're remembered the way that they should because there was all sorts of dudes on that defense from Tyrone Holmes to Kendrick Van Akron and Jeremiah Kose. I mean, that, that was a really, really good Defense and and he was the leader of it. He he was the number one producer on it. Uh, the, the North Dakota State game. The picture I have of him uh, that Brooks Nuanas took for Sky Sports of Tyrone Holmes sacking Carson Wentz. It, it's one of yeah. the great pictures that we have in our archives, and it's it's one that uh, that memory will always be very vivid in my mind. And and that's something that uh, Tyrone Holmes has in his a feather in his cap for the rest of his life. This is our ESPN Roundtable, by the way. It's presented by Paradise Falls Culture. Paradise Falls at 3621 Brook Street, the south end of Missoula. Very nice spot to go have a meal. It's great for families, get the, the whole crew together. They also have a great late-night happy hour. Sometimes a little harder to find that if you're watching games that have been, uh, you know, you go got to watch the Hawaii game, you know what I mean? Nine to midnight at uh, Paradise Falls. That's the place you want to do it. And obviously all basketball season as well. They got ESPN3. They get whatever game you want on their TVs, inside, outside, in the gazebo. Great spot to watch sports and just hang out. Great place to post up if you want to do a little double dipping. Watch some FCS National Championship game on Saturday and then watch some NFL playoffs. They'll have them both for you. The great part about Paradise Falls, if you post up, you might, I mean, they got breakfast, lunch, and dinner. So you might be able to have some breakfast and some lunch while you're hanging out down there. I'm into that. Some lunch and some dinner, some beers in between. 18 draft beers, 30 big screen TVs. They got the ability to play any and every game that you could ever want to watch, whether it's on ESPN3 or Big Sky TV or ESPN Uno. They got it all covered for you. So head on down to Paradise Falls, one of the best late happy hours in town from 9 to 11 Monday through Thursday. Paradise Falls, 3621 Brook Street in Missoula. Missoula's coolest hotspot.